It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's Welcome to Friday's edition. We've got here everybody of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow, Paulie Dettino with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. A jam-packed show for you today. We'll hear from Ryan Anderson, new Giants edge player, in just a couple of minutes. We'll get Joe Marino from the Draft Network talking draft and the impact of some of the Pro Day stuff that's going on around the league. And, of course, we will take your calls at 973-667-1960. Before we get to all that, just as a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by the one and only Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our programs, including the Giants Huddle. We'll have Art Stapleton on the Giants Huddle popping up today on your feeds. Keep an eye on that. Of course, that is on the Giants mobile app at Giants.com slash podcast and on all your favorite podcast platforms. Mr. Dettino, good afternoon again. How are you? Um, well, John, good to talk to you again on a beautiful day in the metropolitan area. And I know Lance is going to love this. I hear it's going up into the mid-70s. It was all rainy this morning, though. It did rain a little bit this morning. The sun's coming out now. How about you, Meadow? What's up? Same old. No to nothing new. The weather doesn't change my feeling regarding anything at this point. Okie dokie. Well, let's get to our interview first. Again, we'll Joe Marine around 1230. But first, Paul Dettino, I had a chance to talk to new Giants linebacker and edge player Ryan Anderson. And here's what he had to say. Newest members of the New York Giants, edge player Ryan Anderson. Ryan, you got John Schmelk and Paul Dettino here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Congratulations and welcome to Big Blue. Thank you all for having me, man. So why'd you decide this was the best fit for you? Um, first, the scheme, you know, the 3-4 they run here, you know, and the culture that they're building, you know. I played against Giants twice last year, and, you know, both games, you know, they beat us. And, you know, they just played tough, you know. You could tell, you know, the head coach, you know, they was they was excited to play for them. You know, those guys were, feel like they'll run through a wall for them. So, you know, I'm just excited to get here and to be a part of that. One of the things that defensive coordinator Patrick Graham stresses, Ryan, is versatility. How do you see yourself fitting into this linebacking core in terms of your strengths and how he thinks he might be able to use you? I haven't really got to you know to meet him yet or to really see what's going on here. But I played in a similar defense before, and you know I feel like it will be to my strengths. You know, a defense I can come play in and like play what I've always played and playing a defense that I understand so that's pretty much pretty much it on that have you had a chance Ryan to talk to any of your Alabama connections we know Joe Judge has the Alabama connection Scott Pruitt obviously former Alabama coach just those connections and and what role maybe that played and you decided to pick New York that that played a big part in it you know that you know that was one of like the major things like I said being able to come in to you know a, a defense that I could fit into and a culture that I could come and be a part of that's like sort of what I've been I'm accustomed to playing in. You know, Ryan, I just want to follow up on the culture part of it because not everyone runs their program like Alabama does, like the Giants do, and, you know, where Joe Judge came from in New England. What is it about that style and that culture that appeals to you? It's, it's the process. You know, pretty much it's based it's based on the process. You know, you're going to grind, you're going to have fun, and it's, you'll get the results, you know, as long as you put the work in. And just like no, you just can't show up and then go out there. Like so, that's that's more appealing to me 
invested in anything, you know, like I said, because I'm used to that. I'm used to coming in and having to work and grinding and, you know, put, putting the work in and not just, like, being result-oriented and just thinking I could, you could show up and, and get what you want. So, like I said, that, that played a major part in, in my decision on being here. Ryan, I wonder how attractive it was to you also understanding that there is competition on the edge spot with the Giants. They've got guys like Carter and Zimenez coming back from injury, and then they have other guys who are on the depth chart, but clearly the Giants would like to enhance their pass rush. And again, I wonder how much that competition uh, potential played into your thought process too. I feel like, you know, like you said, they got a lot of good guys here. And, you know, they got guys coming back that's, that's it's really great players, you know, so I, I want to be around that. You know, I want to be around a group of guys that going to push me to get better, you know. Competition competition breeds winners, so, you know, that's why, that's why I'm here. I'm here I'm here to be around that great group of guys. One now, of the guys you're going to be around, excuse me, John, no, i got to follow up, is going to be Reggie Ragland, uh, the former Detroit Lion, and your running mate with the Crimson Tide when you guys won a national championship. Now, he's also with the Giants. I got to think that, you know, he just got here. You probably have touched base with him. What can you two guys bring to the table in this reunion? Oh, man, I, I guess, you know, familiar, familiarity with the system, you know, with the with the what's going on at a 3-4, you know, we both played in it. It's similar to, you know, all the guys that said here told me, like, similar to what we did in college. So I guess, you know, being, being put back in the system that we're familiar with, physical players that, that can play in this, that can play downhill in this system, you know, the set edges, they can come downhill and we're going to be physical. Ryan, last one um, from me. You, had, you went through a lot of changes in Washington, a lot of things moving around, people come in and out, but one constant in your time there was playing with Ryan Kerrigan, who is a, one of the best edge players that have been in the NFC East over the past decade. He's been a nightmare for the Giants dealing with him since he's been there. What are some of the things you learn from Ryan Kerrigan playing with him in Washington that you can help bring over here to the Giants? Uh, I would say like his, his, his consistency, man, like his routine, like the stuff he do day in and day out that make him a pro. So I feel like I learned a lot of, of that from him. So he helped me out a lot, like just developing my routine and, and learning how to become a pro, how to study film, to take care of my body. You know, just putting that little extra stuff in like that. So I feel like, you know, he, he groomed me in a lot of ways that he probably didn't even know. And that, of course, Ryan Anderson coming over from the Washington football team. Uh, the Giants also announced the signing of Zach Fulton yesterday, veteran offensive lineman. And Lance, we had Fulton on yesterday. Your thoughts on these two signings that have become official for the Giants? Well, Fulton has starting experiences with the Texans each of the last three years. He was their starting right guard. Prior to that, he's had experience at center and left guard. And I think he'll probably come in. He'll compete for a starting job with some of the young guys, Will Hernandez and Shane Lemieux. And if he doesn't win a starting job and ultimately makes the team, here's somebody that's valuable as a rotational lineman who can play three different positions. Remember, if you don't start in the NFL and you play the offensive line position, if you're going to be one of the three guys that additionally dresses or you're going to be somebody that ultimately makes the 53-man roster, you have to be able to play multiple positions. They're not going to keep you on the team if you can only play left guard or you can only play right guard. So the attractiveness of somebody like Fulton is starting experience, check number one, versatility, check number two. So he's going to come in. He's going to compete. 
They'll push the young guys, let the best man win. That's the way that I look at that, considering Zeitler's no longer in the picture. So right now, assuming that you know they're not sold on all the young guys that they have, they need some competition to determine who's going to potentially start. As far as Ryan Anderson, Ryan Anderson is another player that comes in, will add depth. If you've noticed, Patrick Graham's going to have a lot of linebackers that he could toy with now between the guys returning from injury between some of the individuals that they brought in free agency. He likes to mix and match. This is somebody that, as he just spoke about, he's familiar with the division. And it's going to be somebody else that's going to push for a roster spot. I mean, the good news is the volume of players that they have, the competition is going to be fun to watch in training camp this year because, you know, there's a lot of depth at various positions now based on what they've done, and we haven't even had the draft. So, you know, while we're talking about all these guys, somebody may not even make the team because there's plenty of competition, at least as it stands right now. Paul, your thoughts on those two? Well, look at it this way. They've added Odenabo, and now they've also added Anderson. And we've got to say that Carter uh, got off to a good start last year before he got hurt, so we're anxious to see what he brings to the table. We're anxious to see if there's growth and development in Zimenez, and we've seen some of the video of him online where he is working like triple-time hard in improving his pass rush. So, you know, and that doesn't even say anything about guys like Carter Coughlin and and uh, and, and Crowder. I mean, you, I'm just, John, I'm looking at this linebacking core, and at one time I think we would all agree it was an underwhelming group. But right now the Giants have a lot of guys who are going to be fighting tooth and nail for snaps, and that's a great thing. And I love what Anderson said when he said competition breeds winners because these guys are all going to be foaming at the mouth, trying to outshine the other guys so that they can earn playing time. How can that not be a good thing for the Giants? Yeah, look, competition's good. We wanted them to bring in a veteran uh, guard. He started a lot for Houston and before that, Kansas City, as Lance mentioned. And at least he's going to give you a baseline of starter-level play. Now you can make you can obviously have an argument as how good of a starter was he. Um, and whether or not you want him to be a starter for your team, you know, depending on how you, you know, appreciate and analyze his performance, his last two stops here. So I think that's what you look at with Fulton, at least somebody that does have some experience that, that you know you can trust to know the system and not make mistakes in that way, which is a good thing. And as for Anderson, he's another body. And look, you know, Kyler Fackrell is not coming back, and I think him and Odenabo kind of fall into that, you know, Fackrell area where he's somebody that's going to come in, compete, They've had, you know, some good seasons, and you see how they can do, and, and it'll give you some baseline of play again if guys like Zimenez doesn't recover well or progress after that shoulder injury. Uh, Lorenzo Carter coming off that torn Achilles. Sometimes it takes more than a year for a guy to be, you know, you can be healthy and play after that, but sometimes it takes you a lot more time to um, get back to what you were after a serious injury like that. So just hey, something to keep in mind. John, I think the other thing, and, uh, you know, I didn't address Fulton a second ago when you asked me, the competition line of thought plays into him too because not only did the Giants have young guys on the interior line, but they signed veteran Jonathan Harrison, the former Colton Jet, who is a veteran like Fulton. Both guys have played center and guard in this league, and quite frankly, if those two guys don't make their way into the starting lineup because they, they fail to win jobs because the other guys beat them out, well, you can bet that Harrison and Fulton will be in competition trying to become the first guy off the bench. So that in itself is another reason why this is good. 
Yeah, the look, other thing, you want bodies in there, Lance. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, the other thing I was going to add with respect to Ryan Anderson is this is a player that also is used to battling for snaps because he played behind Preston Smith before Preston Smith went to Green Bay and Ryan Kerrigan. Remember, when he was drafted, it wasn't, hey, everybody move aside and make way for Ryan Anderson. So I think he's walking into somewhat of a similar circumstance where he understands what it means to compete in camp to make sure that you impress the coaching staff to earn some snaps. And I do think it's a fair point to say Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez coming off of injury, who I don't think should be dismissed. I think we tend to forget they're going to bolster the roster by just the guys coming back from IR, but there's no guarantee that you're going to throw them back into playing X amount of snaps. So if you envision them being contributors, but not necessarily immediately full-time guys, that's more of a reason why the Odenabos and the Ryan Andersons have value because it can ease how quickly or how slowly you can work some of those injured players back into the mix. All right, I want to get to the calls quickly today in 973. 973- Six six seven nineteen sixty again nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. You can also hit us up at hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. You know our, our handles at this point, guys. If you want to find us on Twitter at Schmelk at Giants WFN at Lance Meadow M E D O W. Don't put that A in there. He gets very upset if you do. So make <laughs> well, sure you... because it's wrong. That's why. <laughs> and you'll never find me if you spell it that way too. Well, so it's is... actually beneficial to spell it correctly. Well, that well that that's assuming people actually want to find you. Which that's I, fine. Which, well, which, they don't which... have to. I'm just saying. Saying that if you are planning to, good luck trying to find me with an A in my last name. That's all I'll say. I almost want to create a fake Lance Meadow Twitter account with an A in there and just start putting stuff up, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, no. thank you for putting out that stupid idea here on Giants. Because that's just beautiful. Yes, because as if there's not enough trolls out there that are dying to uh, fill their time with nothing. Yes. Oh. I, Wonderful. I think that's actually – I think that's something Charlie should endeavor to do. I think he's a lot of free time Well, he on has the hands. time on his hands. Yeah, absolutely. So if there's anybody that could do it, it certainly could be him. Yes, but I think you'd be able to quickly figure out if it was him or not because he'd have one Will Beatty tweet in there, and I think it would just be all over. Anyway, uh, we have Joe Marino from the Draft <laughs> Network. We'll talk a lot of these pro days and draft with him in around 15 minutes to 1230. Uh, we'll try to squeeze in some calls after him, but I want to get in calls before we get to Joe at 973-667-1960. But first, I want to remind – Giant fans, that limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, let's start with Jason up in New Haven. He joins us first. Jason, what's up? How are you guys doing? We're good, Jay. What's Hi. going on? All right, I'll try to make it quick. I just got a few points, and I'll take it off the air. A few points and a question. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, and um, usually you guys make really sound arguments on uh, various topics. Um, the first part, point I wanted to make was about the free agency we just had. I've heard a few people call you guys and talk about what's the difference between 2016 and this year's free agent crop. Um, I would say, and I'm, maybe you guys will agree or disagree, I, it seems to me that the front office and judge this time around um, took their time in terms of bringing players in, talking to them, seeing if they're a match, which I think is important when you're trying to build the culture of winning, making sure you have the right amount of people. Secondly, the way the contracts are structured in terms of short-term deals, which I'm actually a big fan of, so you don't get stuck into deals. Um, I think the only one we'd have a hard time getting out of if things didn't work, I think, is Galladay. 
because um, his cap hits will be pretty large in the next few years. Right. Don't remember, too, Jason, there's a plus and minus, a shorter contract, too. The signing bonuses that you prorate are then bigger each year. So if you have to, you know, cut a guy early, then a bigger sign bonus gets prorated. So there are positive and minuses to having a long or short-term deal, depending on how you structure it. Right. I just like the way they went up, you know, they went about it this year. In sure. Terms of no, I got you. Bringing people in, interviewing, and so on and so forth. Secondly, the draft point I wanted to make, I know it was unofficial yesterday, um, uh, the Penn State linebacker, Michael Parsons. Um, unofficially, I think they said he ran like a 4-3-9 or something like that. Um, I know we've had talks about bolstering the offensive line, which I think we still do need to. But I do feel if Parsons is there, if he checks out, I, I read that um, Coach Judge was there yesterday, um, you know, at the pro day. Um, Coach Spence is also – the person that recruited Michael Parsons when he was in Penn State. So I think if, you know, he checks out, I know people have had concerns about immaturity issues, but let's be honest. I'm sure all of us could uh, could say that we we did some stupid things when we were 18 and 19. So Not Lance Meadow. Talk, not not Lance Meadow. <laughs> I, think, I think the talk of immaturity, I think, kind of gets a little overblown. You know, I think we've all done some things. We look back like, damn, I wish I – excuse my language – I probably shouldn't have done that looking back. But, you know, we were young and things happened. So I, that's the second point. Third point, and I have a question for everybody, and I'll take it off the air. Sure. Just kind of a fun question. If you could pull somebody, I'm going to give you two players. If you could pull somebody from that 07 team and put them in this upcoming year on our roster, who would you take? And I'm going to give you Chris Snee or OCU Minura. Given how our, our roster is, which player – do you think we have a bigger impact on our team now? And uh, I'll take it off the air. Well, Jason, 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 I'm sorry, yeah. real quick. Uh, you said 2011? Uh, the 2017. 2007. The, the, first, the first Patriots uh, Super Bowl we beat them. Um, Chris and E or OC, the way our um, our roster looks now. Uh, just a little fun question, and I'll uh, take take it off the air. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate the call. I'll take Michael Strahan. Thank you. Um, so I, well, that done. wasn't part of the choices, though. Well, he said a player, and we the, and, just well, made him part of the choices. That's <laughs> those, it. those are two okay, guys. Okay, well, that's fine. I'm just saying he threw out OC and Chris Nee. I thought that was one of the two choices. Uh, well, I, I mean, he, he said any so. player, and then he mentioned those two guys as options. Um, I would go Stray if if you're making me choose between those two. I would probably pick OC as a pass rusher off the edge. Yeah, I would See, agree go with, with Chris Nee. I think adding a Pro Bowl offensive lineman is uh, critical for this team right now, especially the development of the young quarterback. So that's where I would go. Not to say that they can't use a pass rusher. I just think that a guy like Snee would really solidify a position right now. I feel you. better about finding, like, for example, I know that Elijah Vera Tucker is going to be there for the Giants at 11 if they want to draft a really good guard, exactly. right? And I know I, can, I know I can get him. So I'm fine with that, and I'm damn sure that I don't feel half as good about any of the pass rushers, Paul, mm-hmm. that are going to be there at 11 as compared to O.C. Totally agree with you, John, because that question isn't about who's the better player, Snee or O.C. The question has to do with all of the ancillary factors that this particular Giants team is faced with. For that reason, between the two, you'd have to pick O.C., but, but there's no denying you're taking the Hall of Famer, Michael Strahan, before anybody. Nine seven three. I'm sorry, Lance. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. I mean, once again, I was focusing on those two guys, so I wasn't really taking into consideration anybody else on the roster. But yeah, it's hard to disagree that a Hall of Famer like Michael Strahan wouldn't help this team right now, nor would anybody doubt that they would hesitate to take him and add him to the roster. 
973-667-1960. Back to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. What is your name and where are you calling from? This is Don from Texas. Don, what do you got? Hey, guys. John, I was really calling to thank you for cracking me up from your March 5th show, but since you just had Lance Meadow as a new possible page, make sure you make him a weatherman in the background. That would be perfect, and I'll follow it. Okay, so okay, so, okay, so we got M-E-A-D-O-W, we have, and then we have Lance. I would have to Photoshop him, probably like maybe holding an umbrella in, in, in a clear meadow, and I think that would really be the 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 perfect combination, right? This is I'm, just I'm hysterical stuff. I'm, I'm rolling on I'm my in. behind right now. <laughs> I'm sure you are. Yeah. Paul's all in. Oh, it's just, once again, I, I can't stop laughing. It's overwhelming right now. <laughs> John, on your March 5th show, you also kind of trolled PDOT, and you had me cracking up driving back. What are you talking Dallas, about? From Dallas traffic, when you were giving this scenario where none of the guys we wanted would be oh, there, and you one, put yep. tits to Dallas. He just does that you, to wish, give me agita. I can't tell you. I wish there was a camera on PDOT to see his nasal flaring, unfortunately. <laughs> Look, Pitts is not going to make it to the Giants at 11. If he is going to be there, they have to take him, I would And what think. if they don't, though? What, what if they don't uh, take him? Well, well, then, well, then, well, then I think we have to find a new co-host for a big blue kickoff. Well, I'm just saying, I mean, there is a possibility he could be there and they choose not to take him, though. I think you have to prepare yourself for that. I, I, I would have agita, and then I would sit back and understand the logic uh, for the guy that they took and then figure it all out. But, yeah, he's not going to make it. I get that. But the problem was, I think, in John's scenario, he had all my other leading guys being gone, too. So he just made me miserable. That was great. Thanks. Yes, Doug. yes. He, he, oh, he's, he's, I'm good he's at that. Good, yeah, you're good at that. You're yeah. good at sticking the needle in the kidney. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, guys. I wanted to bring up, since you have uh, Marino on today from the Draft Network, the guy I really follow since you guys get all these guys on is Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. So I wanted to hear your take. A few weeks back I called really, really going for Micah Parsons or Jalen Waddle, which kind of revisits your conversation yesterday as well between John and Lance. Now, between the two, you had brought up, what if Devontae Smith and Waddle is there? Who do you take? For me, I would take Waddle. And the reason for that is, just based on the value and the need of what you got there, you, got, you have to understand that you're one injury away from the wide receiver core coming back down to earth. So if you got a Waddle there and a Devontae Smith option there, you're not going to go wrong either way. But if I had my choice, I would go Waddle. You cannot defend the speed aspect. Yeah. Although the route options are there, he's an unbelievable route runner, Devontae Smith. You, there is a way to scheme against that, to double team and take that away. When you double team speed like a Waddle, you leave everybody else one-on-one, -on -one, and that's where the disadvantage is. So I just wanted to end with a question, guys, because I know you got Marino coming on pretty soon. Well, before you go anywhere, let me just say I agree with you wholeheartedly. Waddle over Smith, hands down. And the other part to this, too, is that Waddle has already proven to be a very dangerous kick returner with Agreed, the Crimson Tide. That's the other X factor there, too. It's a, it's a huge X factor. It makes him even more valuable besides the fact that I think he, he will be more durable and probably hold up better. Very dangerous in special teams if you decide to use him there. And you got to understand, Galladay hasn't played a full 16-game season, only one season. Shep's a concussion away from being out another eight games. And, and you know, Slayton is very inconsistency. So, you know, you got to add another alpha wide receiver there. And that's why I believe Waddle would be good. If Pitts wasn't there too, P-Dot, I agree with you. Well, again, that's why – and, Don, thanks for the call, man. I appreciate it. Good stuff. You got it. And that's why I wouldn't rule out a wide receiver. And, Paul, it's funny, as you lean towards Waddle – 
I've kind of thought back at what wide receivers have succeeded in the league, which guys I've liked in the past, which guys have worked out, which guys haven't. And I keep coming back to the same thing. I want the guy that I trust is the best at the craft of, of being a wide receiver, right? The guy that I know can run all the routes, is an advanced route runner, knows how to get open in different ways. And I just have as talented as Waddle is, and everything you said about him is great, and I would not be upset if the Giants took him. I think he's fantastic. Go for it. Cool. I'm down. I'm in. All in 100%. Bup, 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 bup. I think if I had the choice today between the two, I would still take Smith because I think he's a better all-around wide receiver in how he gets open and how he wins. And I think he would still fit with the other three guys they have. And so would Waddle, by the way. Not saying Waddle wouldn't. So I think right now I would still lean Smith over Waddle if I had my choice of the two. Devontae yeah, Smith also has special teams return experience as well. He was a special teams return guy this past season. Not so as you much still as get Waddle that. does, though. Waddle has much more experience. Yeah, well, Waddle's been doing it a little bit more consistently. But, I mean, he they were using him. He had 11 punt returns. He had four kickoff returns. So, I mean, they were utilizing him. And he had one for a touchdown on a punt return. So, I mean, he's just as dynamic as a playmaker if you wanted to have that special teams element. I wouldn't have any issue, you know, throwing him out there if you wanted to toy with that. And he, overall, I think is the better route runner, at least at this point in his development. So if you're looking for somebody to come in and plug him in in any spot, I think you have a little bit more option and versatility with respect the, to Devontae the, Smith. The I think they're both really there, good players. I just think he may be a little bit more polished at this point in his development. Just remember, at 170 pounds on special teams, those hits are amplified. Of course. Well, I mean, listen, so any now, player you expose to multiple him, hits. Yeah, but you're putting him even more at risk because he doesn't have quite the beef or the frame that Waddle has. You're putting Smith even more at risk of not being durable if you put him back there on specials in the NFL. Sure. I mean, but Waddle's 182. So, you know, we're not talking about an elephant next to a giraffe here. It know? makes a difference. Well, it makes does, but I, I mean, we're not talking about a guy that has, you know, 25, 30 pounds on him. Is I'll all put I'm you saying. in touch with, with a bunch of my scouts, Lance. They'll tell you how different it is. I, well, I guess, I, I, I've spoken to NFL executives, too, in the league about these two deal. as well. It's and a big deal. Listen, there's definitely concern. I'm not disputing that. All I'm saying is I see a guy that played double-digit games at each of the last three years. And he held up against one of the best conferences in the NFL, in, the, in college football, excuse me. I understand the NFL's a level up, but the SEC, I think most people would agree, is at least the closest to the NFL. So if yeah, you can hold I, I up there, that. I, I think that, that at least bodes well for you. Look at it this way. I don't want to poo-poo Smith. Compared to Waddle, to me, it's clear. But at the same time, I'm not going to slam Smith because, my goodness, look what the guy did. His, his track record speaks for itself. And if they pick him, then that means they're not as concerned about the risk of the durability, and they are all in for his explosiveness. And you know what? If that's what he does, then they're going to be better for it. And by the way, just for the record, I might have a different opinion on which one of those two guys I would take a week from now. That's one of those things you kind of go back and forth on because to me they're still extremely, extremely coast. Yeah, well, look, look what just happened. We found out about Farley this week with his with his bad back, right? Exactly. Anything can happen. All right, we got one more call before we get Joe Marino at 1230. Call, you're on the air with us. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Charlie, Portland, Maine. Hey, guys. What's up, Charlie? Hey, uh, Lance. Somebody already has that uh, met out with an A. Wonderful. I, oh, do they really? you of all people to actually research it, this and look and into I it. Sent it to <laughs> you, Lovely. Lance. Delightful. So if you want to get in touch with your uh, other self, Why would I want to get in touch go. with somebody who doesn't have my name, Charlie? Why would I want well, to do that? 
because he has, you know, he has close to your name. You, know, you just left the A out. You know, I have my own up. handle, which is spelled correctly. So what exactly do I need well, to do? Well, you want to make sure this guy's not taking all your, your all your pub and all your pub. Now, I, now, in fairness, how can somebody take my pub if I am admitting publicly that this is my <laughs> legitimate account, which has a blue check mark, which has been approved by Twitter? Why would I need to go out? On an all-out publicity tour, if it's already been established, Lance. In How fairness, does that make any sense? Lance, I think you're safe. This other Lance yeah. Meadow user joined in July 2013. I do That's not see. Right. I do not see any tweets on his list of tweets. He's 26 followers, 26 following, <laughs> and, and 17 one followers. And one of them is Charlie. And one of them is Charlie. Of course, that is correct. Yeah. Well, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I told you once you put it out there, these knuckleheads were going to do everything in their power to. The good news is that the handle is taken, so you have nothing to worry about. I'm, I wasn't worried anyway, because once again, I have my own legitimate account. Charlie, get to the point. Charlie, what do you got point. for okay. us today? <laughs> okay, my point is, the Fulton signing was horrible, and this is the reason. He was the worst guard in the NFL giving up sacks. He had 11 last year. How do you replace Zeitler with this guy? If you're going to cut somebody who's good, you've got to bring in somebody who is as good Charlie, or at least a little Charlie. bit better. What ha maybe he competes and maybe he's not even on the roster. Who knows? They're not plugging him in as a plug-in starter here. They could still draft somebody. He's a guy well, so, that can be a swing backup or something like that. So we're, so right now we have a whole bunch of depth guys and we have no starters. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, I mean, I think we've had that discussion that we don't know who the two starting guards are right now. Right. That's the point, is to bring in a veteran who can actually start. Yeah, well, that's Charlie, they saying. used a lot of their resources elsewhere. You only have so much money well, you can spend. Well, that's a big mistake. That's a big mistake right. for John. I, I get it. He needs well, that, Fulton right? can start. He's been a starter for the last three seasons. Whether he wins the job remains to be seen. We got to go, Charlie. All right, guys, I'm, uh, I'm going to get Joe. Why don't you uh, talk amongst yourselves as I get the caller. <laughs> well, it's hard to follow that. I mean, what is there it exactly really is. to follow up on that end? I mean, you know, the bottom line, and Lance, I, I, I know this this part you will agree with, competition, we, we talk about it all the time, is actually a good thing. And when you're talking about a veteran who started, what, six or seven years in the league and proven to be durable, uh, that at least gives him an opportunity to potentially contribute something. Yeah, I don't think there's any problem with bringing in guys that are going to compete at this point in free agency. Plus, you know, we've had a lot of conversations, Paul, where I'll counter Charlie's point about you need to know right now the 11 starters on both sides of the ball when didn't mm -hmm. Logan Ryan, Paul, get added to the roster Absolutely. right before the start of the season? And then look at the impact he had, mm -hmm. right, in 2020. So if we were having this conversation last year at this time and you were to talk about the safeties, Logan Ryan would have not even been in the conversation at that point. Now, he was out there. You could have speculated about maybe you show interest, but the bottom line is who would have thought that he would have been added when he was and then had the type of impact that he did? So spare me the heartbreak and the conversations over not knowing the 11 starters on both sides of the ball on March 26th. I agree with you a thousand percent. And, you know, the other part to this, too, is between him and Harrison, that's a lot of years of, of veteran experience and leadership. If nothing else, potentially as we get through these next several months, I know most of it's going to be all virtual, if not all of it, but, but when we finally get to training camp, don't you think that the young interior linemen, at the very least, might be pushed or just soak up 
some knowledge and some some uh, some guidance from the two veterans that they've signed, you know, to, to enhance the depth chart. All right. right. On, on top of that, you also have a new offensive line coach, too, Paul. Let's sure. not forget about that. Sure. And Rob Sale. So, I mean, you know, let, let's not be hasty and automatically dismiss this guy as not giving them something. We don't know exactly what he will give them, but there's certainly some potential that there's benefit. I mean, that's why they brought him here. All right, guys, we got Joe Marino, our guest. He's from the Draft Network. Before we get to Joe, I want to remind everybody that Giant fans should go get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants brand of debit card security features and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC, he's from the Draft Network. He is Joe Marino, who joins us on Big Blue Kickoff Live, one of our yearly guests to talk some NFL draft. Joe, you got Schmelk, Meadow, and Detino here. Hope you and yours are well. Thanks for the time today, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, Joe, let's start here. We heard about a couple days ago the Caleb Farley back surgery. He's not participating in the Virginia Tech Pro Day today. We've seen Sertan and J.C. Horn both basically perform virtually off the charts in, 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 in their two Pro Day performances. How do you now see the top of this cornerback group in the draft playing out? How close is Horn to Sertan? How far back is Farley going to drop now? Just give me the lowdown on how you think the top of this cornerback class now is starting to shape up a month before the draft. Well, I think you've identified the three best corners in the draft. And before the, the most recent back uh, surgery came out about Caleb Farley, I would have sat here and told you that he was clearly the best corner in the class, the best blend of size, athleticism, traits, uh, ball production. You, you see everything from, from Farley. But you start to, have to ask yourself some hard questions with his second back surgery since 2019. He also had an ACL tear in the last few years as well. And that's concerning because if you're going to pick a player – in the first round, you want to get return on that investment. If they're not available, they can't help you. And I do think that pushes him down. And so I do think that Patrick Sertain from Alabama is the best corner in this class now with this information about Farley. Sertain is just so technically refined. I mean, he, he looks like a pro already when you watch him play. He's proven in press coverage. And you love those guys that can be disruptive at the line of scrimmage and throw off route timing. So he gives you physicality, press coverage ability, and he's very, very – uh, savvy when it comes to route anticipation and staying connected uh, with receivers. J.C. Horn had an unbelievable pro day, and um, you, you see those man coverage traits show up on tape that you need, where you need that athleticism to play the style of football that J.C. Horn plays. My, my challenge with Horn is there's no question he's, he's a, a very inconsistent run defender and tackler, and I know that that's not the primary responsibility of a cornerback, but when you hold him up against Sertain, he's definitely not there in that regard and I thought from a ball skills perspective he had a couple of good games this year but for the most part I thought there was a lot of meat left on the bone when it comes to ball production so I do think there's a gap between Sertain and Horn but really disappointed to hear this Farley information because I thought he was the best corner in the class. Joe of the pro days that we have seen so far and again big asterisk here because we always talk about how the pro days are much more minimal in terms of the equation compared to game film when guys give out final grades going into a draft. But having said that, how many, if if any, guys have significantly disappointed you at their pro days? It's a good question because it feels like everybody's doing well at these pro days. Without the combine, there's a lot less of a, of a controlled environment uh, to get consistent measurements across the board. And so it feels like every pro day that, that comes out, it's the, it's the guy turning heads and really – 
uh, showing well for themselves. So you know, it, it's 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 been um, kind of eye opening to to process this information and realize that the testing um, is just not normal compared to what we normally get with that uh, that even playing field at the NFL scouting combine. But um, you know, as far as disappointments, you know, I don't I don't know. If there's anybody that extremely stands out. I I, I think you can look at some guys like at, at Pittsburgh. A lot of the guys there really disappointed. Whether it was the defensive tackle Jalen Twyman, who beefed up, and you could tell that he's really worked on his frame, but his his athletic testing was very poor in terms of his forty time, his explosive measurables, his agilities, and you know if he's supposed to be a penetration style free technique, he did not show the athleticism to do that. And then the safety as well, Paris Ford, uh, he he really struggled in terms of showing explosive numbers in the vertical jump and the 40-yard dash. And if you're a safety and you don't have athleticism, that's going to be tough if you're going to be playing in space against these uh, these really talented, skilled players that the NFL offers. So I think a couple of those pit guys are the ones that stand out to me in terms of disappointment. Joe, staying on the theme of pro days, Penn State just had its pro day. Micah Parsons certainly stole the headlines, but here's a player that opted out. And I would say that's why maybe the pro days are important for players we haven't seen on the field in over a year Based on the cameras, it seemed as if the Giants had a presence there. What has been appealing about Micah Parsons, at least from his film, and did anything that happened at Pro Day steer you in a different direction based on what you saw? Yeah, I think Parsons did a good job of confirming the player we watched on tape in 2019 in terms of the athleticism and movement skills. And what really stands out about Parsons is we're talking about like a high school defensive end that just made the switch to off-ball linebacker when he got to Penn State and he saw a couple of years of really high-level stuff for a guy that hasn't played the position very long. You know, he's got great size, obviously explosive, and he, he's, uh, he's, he's one of those guys that just checks all the boxes in terms of physical traits. But what I really loved was his tape in terms of mental processing and playing downhill and understanding run fits and where to be and when to shoot a gap. You know, you like to see a little bit more of uh, a coverage profile, you know, ability to kind of drop and play in space and, instead of taking that first step forward, being able to make it going backwards. But I think that will come with reps, and he's got the physical tools that you can't teach. And so if everything checks out with with some of the character stuff that has come out with, with Parsons recently, you know, I think he's the clear-cut top linebacker in the class. You know, Joe, you guys do a lot of mock drafts over there, and we're joined by Joe Marino from the Draft Network. How do you think, if at all – your opinion of how the first 10 picks in this draft are going to go, because that's obviously going to impact who the Giants can get at 11, has changed or shifted based not only on the pro days, but more importantly, what some of those teams ahead of the Giants have done in free agency with some of their moves. Who are the guys that you can say with some level of confidence that, you know, this guy ain't going to be there when the Giants get to 11? Well, it sounds like New York's committed to Daniel Jones. And so, all Giants fans should be rooting for all the quarterbacks possible to go in front of them to push down talent uh, down the board. But, you know, when you think about Miami kind of being a wild card at number three, when you think about Atlanta at four, Cincinnati at five, you know, those are the wild cards because those are the teams that you, you think that could trade back. But I think if Giants fans, to kind of laser in on the question here, if Giants fans are thinking about Penny Sewell, you know, the left tackle from, from Georgia, I, I probably crossed that name off the list. And you think about what they've done with the wide receivers, bringing in Kenny Galladay and even John Ross to a much lesser extent. If you were thinking Jalen Waddle or Devonta Smith or, or Jamar Chase is that receiver, that answer to help out with Daniel Jones in what's a really critical year three for him, 
you know, I think that the Giants have done a good job of attacking free agency to give them more flexibility with what they're going to do in the first round with that pick. So, you know, the dream is probably Sewell. I think that would cross that off the board. But with the quarterbacks that we expect to go in front of New York's pick, with the receivers that are no longer a big-time need uh, expected to go before New York's pick, I think this is setting up very, very nicely for, for the Giants to uh, let the board fall to them. Maybe they're able to get, you know, Aziz Ojolari, a pass rusher. Maybe they're able to get Micah Parsons if they feel like they can use that enforcer on the second level. But I think Dave Gettleman has done an under, underrated job here of addressing needs in the secondary, addressing needs of the skilled players, and setting himself up to uh, maybe go best player available. When all this time I've been thinking offense, offense, offense. This defense was really good last year. But we need to make sure that Daniel Jones is surrounded. Dave Gettleman's done a nice job of, of checking some of those boxes and creating some flexibility for him in the draft. Really quick follow-up, Joe, on that. I'm going to give you four players, rapid fire, rank them most to least, most likely to least likely to be there when the Giants select. Rashawn Slater, Patrick Sertan, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell. Wow, that's can tough. I throw Pitts in say, there too, Joe? Yeah, can you, can, you, yeah, you can throw Pitts in. He's not going to be there, but I can have Joe yeah. disappoint you too, Paul. That's okay. That, that's that's why I'm asking. The pit, Pitts is least likely. Let's go ahead and start there. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. I don't think he's going to be available <laughs> for you. Um, I, I think Waddle's going to go, whether you look at Carolina or Detroit, Miami, too many too many destinations there. Certain, uh, now that Denver's found some, uh, some cornerback help, I think there's a chance – that he gets through. Dallas is probably going to snatch him up if he's there, though. That would be a, t- a tough one to think he gets through. I think the guy that could most likely be there is Devonta Smith. And, you know, I don't want to be a guy that, that crosses off his career because he's, you know, 170 pounds. But there's not a lot of guys with his stature that have had a lot of success in the NFL. And I think when it's all said and done and, and general managers are, are having to make picks on players, they're probably going to overlook that 170-pound receiver. So I think he's the one that's most likely to be available. How about Slater, Joe? You didn't mention him, Rashawn Slater. I think there's a chance. Uh, you know, there's a lot of buzz that some teams like him above uh, Penny Sewell. Um, I think in my most recent mock draft that I put out last week, I had the Giants picking Rashawn Slater. And so I think there's an outside chance. But uh, I would put Devonta Smith ahead of him, and then, and then I would get to Slater in terms of most likely to be available. Joe, it seems to me that most people think that Micah Parsons is going to be the first defensive player taken uh, and certainly has a very good shot at being in the top ten. But I've got to ask you something here because I'm really wrestling with this. I understand all of the phenomenal numbers that he put up at Penn State's Pro Day, and that is simply off, off the charts. That's great. And we see his production at Penn State, but... He was a guy who played between the tackles. I see him as a 4-3 middle linebacker in the NFL or as a 3-4 inside linebacker. The problem is he puts up these, these numbers at the pro day that indicate he's got the physical tools to play outside linebacker or an edge rusher in the pros. And the people who tell me that, oh, he could be a top five pick are saying, well, he's going to be an edge rusher. Look at the tools. Look at the numbers he put up. The problem is that's not what he did at Penn State. And that's more of a projection for me than it is a sure thing. It's almost like asking Aaron Judge to bunt instead of swing away for the fences. I'd love to know where you stand on this. Well, I would agree with you. I, I don't. I haven't even. That thought hasn't even entered my mind that Parsons would play edge, you know, and be a rush linebacker in a three-four or really Thank be you. a pursuit style Thank player. You. I, I'm with, 
I'm with you. I think this is a guy that you play as your Mike linebacker in either a 3-4 or a 4-3, and that's fine. Like that, There's plenty of value for that in today's NFL. If you can play in space and, and contribute on every single down, then you have a home. Uh, and, and to me, linebacker is a, a position that I think is unfairly lamed, uh, labeled as not a, a premier position. But in today's NFL, I think it is if you can play on every single down. And while Parsons isn't proven in coverage quite like you wish he was, Obviously, he has the athleticism to play in space. And one thing that he is is a very, very good blitzer. And so that gives him value on passing downs. Maybe he doesn't have the route anticipation and comfort as a zone dropper quite yet, but that's okay. I can have him attack gaps and, and blitz and, and wreak havoc and really unleash that athleticism coming into the face of the quarterback. So I, I'm, I'm comfortable with him being the first defensive player off the board, but I, I am not, I'm not even thinking about playing this guy on the edge. Joe, as I mentioned earlier, Parsons opted out. Another guy that initially opted out, then he decided to come back, played limited games, was Rondell Moore, the Purdue weapon, I guess. Maybe it's better to call him now based on what he did at his pro day. Unbelievable speed. His vertical jump also considered maybe one of the all-time best marks if we actually had a scouting combine. The reason I'm bringing him up is, you know, people get enamored by these pro day numbers, but they also bring up, similar to maybe Parsons' concerns about off-the-field issues, Moore's lack of height. Does the skill set that was showcased at Pro Day launch him up draft boards and change people's mind, or does he pretty much still remain in that land of the unknown to you? He's a tough projection. I mean, you go back to 2018 and watch his tape at Purdue. This guy's unbelievable. I mean, one of the most dynamic football players I've ever seen with the ball in his hands. I mean, I would actually label him as asinine, what he's able to do in space and making guys miss and, and inviting contact and just being a wizard to get out of some of these situations. You wish you saw more of a vertical receiving profile from him, but you know what Purdue didn't ask him to do that. They asked him to run a lot of shallow stuff and create after the catch. But what's comforting is that really in 2019 and 2020, he was limited because of injuries. And if there's anything that the pro day did for me, is it showed me that he's at least healthy right now. And, and I don't know that we've been able to say that for a long time with Rondell Moore. And, uh, you know, I think that he is one of those guys that, that's a Ferrari, right? He's going to have to have all the right parts and tuned up correctly. Uh, but, man, when he's on the field, I think he has the ability to be a difference maker. But I do think his lack of size, lack of vertical receiving ability, and the injury stuff puts him, in, as you said, they're in no man's land a little bit. I can see him going as high as the, the 20th pick and as late as, you know, into the 50s or 60s. Joe, how do you sort out the top of this edge rusher class? We saw Jason Owe, which everyone expected, by the way, blow up his pro day. We all knew that was going to happen. He did it. But you look at his tape, and he's kind of a one-trick speed rusher pony. He had no sacks last year. You got Rousseau, who sat out, you know, not really. You know, he's got the size you want, but I'm not sure he, you know, he got a lot of sacks from the inside at Miami two years ago. You know, go down the list, Aziz Ojolari, who you mentioned earlier. How do you break down the top of this edge class? Because Paul and I have made this point a lot that we think it's 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 a very high-risk, high-reward type of class where I could see any of these guys come into the league and being great. I could so see these guys come into the league and not being starters in four years. Yeah, I'm with you on Owe and Rousseau. If you're wanting immediate production, I don't think it's going to happen from those guys. And so if you're willing to play the long game there and wait and, and believe that you can develop their gifts, sure. But I think they're both extremely raw, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be players that if, you know, if my job was on the line, if I'd be picking them in the first round. What I do like, there's three players that I think are at the top of this edge class that I would use a first-round pick. Uh, Quiddy Pay from Michigan. I, I think he, he gives you all – I mean, he's his pro days today. He's going to blow it up, and, and everyone will be raving about him. And I think 
from a, a tape perspective, I mean, he might be the, the most complete guy uh, in terms of size, athleticism, run defense, and pass rush acumen. I mean, he's a rare dude, converted running back in, in, in high school, uh, and he's really blossomed at defensive end. I love Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Um, he's got length, he's got burst, he has bend, and he's not the he's lean, right? He's like in the two forties. But yep. watch the Alabama tape. This guy was was standing up polars and, and really just setting the edge very firmly. I think he plays much bigger than his size. And if you're looking for that guy that just has the ability to run circles around guys as a pass rusher, Ojolari is definitely in play. And then that third guy is Jalen Phillips from Miami. Can, you know, former big time recruit at UCLA medically retired at one point so there's some risk there but he went to to miami and in 2020 we saw that five-star recruit i think in terms of a a size athleticism package ability to stand up put his hand in the dirt do everything that you're looking for as long as he's healthy he might be the best of the group but i do think there's some buyer beware but look if i'm taking a first round pass rusher it's ojalari it's pay it's phillips or it's nobody would you pick one of those guys as high as 11 I would pick for for the Giants, and that's really where that's really where the conversation with the Giants has shifted for me because I was offense, offense, offense. Got to help Daniel Jones. Dave Gettleman has solved a lot of those issues in free agency. I think there's some need on the offensive line. There's nobody there at eleven that I would take. Maybe Rashawn Slater would be an option, but unless he's you know if he's gone, then I'm not thinking about offensive line. That shifts the attention to defense, and, and Ojolari is a pass rusher that I would love for that scheme. And, um, you know, I know he's just a redshirt sophomore, but he, I, you, you just got to watch the tape. Watch him play Alabama. Watch him play Auburn. This guy is uh, advanced, and I think he's capable of making an immediate impact. And if I was picking an edge and I was the Giants at 11, I'd be targeting Aziz Ojolari from Georgia. Joe, one other position that we don't talk about a lot with the Giants because Saquon Barkley is their starting running back, but he is coming off of serious knee surgery. And quite honestly, you know, we're all crossing our fingers that he is Saquon Barkley when he gets back to the field this year. But let's assume for a second that the Giants wanted to hedge their bets and that maybe in the third or fourth round, they wanted to pick a useful running back that could help shoulder the load if Barkley is not all the way back or if, if for whatever reason, he has to start the season a little bit late. I kind of like a guy like Kenneth Gainwell. Do you see value in the third or fourth round that could give the Giants some immediate running back production should they need it? Yeah, as soon as you started you know, building into this question, I was thinking Kenneth Gainwell, Kenneth Gainwell, and then you dropped the name, and I would agree with you, uh, only one year production at Memphis, but my goodness, that one year was really, really dynamic. He's kind of built like a receiver, but this guy runs angry. He's got explosiveness. He's a very outstanding pass catcher. I mean, you could really ask him to run a full route tree. He's got good ball skills and hands, and uh, I think he's got just a really natural feel for the game in terms of reading defenses and knowing where to cut and stringing moves together. And I think he's going to be a productive player that, you know, in a complimentary type role, I think it would be a really nice fit in terms of what he could bring to the Giants offense or, you know, taking some of the load off of Saquon, but also adding another layer because I think his pass catching ability uh, is a real big asset. You could put both of those guys on the field and uh, really put a lot of stress on defenses by, by having both those guys on the field that, that, that they have to account for. So he's definitely high on the list. If I were to bring another name to the table, um, Oregon State has a good running back this year, Jamar Jefferson. Um, really good vision, and that's what I loved about his tape. He just sees it so well, his vision in the hole, um, setting up his next move, 
is really, really good. I like the way he's built kind of low to the ground, low center of gravity, good contact balance, physical, just takes really smart tracks with the football. And I think you wish he got the football a little bit more consistently, but he's a really nuanced runner that if I'm targeting one, you know, round three, round four, he'd be high on my list. Joe, speaking of the depth of the draft, you mentioned that maybe your thinking changed based on what the Giants have done in free agency for the 11th overall pick. I think even maybe more of a fascinating conversation is potential targets for the Giants with the 42nd overall pick, their second round pick. Where do you think value-wise, based on the depth of a specific position, you think the Giants could target in round two where they're pretty much presenting a situation where they're getting the most bang for their buck? Yeah, I think it's going to be interior offensive line. I think that you can find a starting day one interior offensive line that in the second round, and whether that's Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, who I think, if you go back to 2019, I mean, he was exceptional. I don't think he was as good in 2020. I had some issues staying square to blocks, but I'm believing the player that I watched in 2019 is the truth, and I think he'd be a wonderful second-round pick. And then there's two offensive tackles, Jackson Carmen from Clemson and Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, that I would very, very much feel comfortable drafting as guards and, and thinking that they can make that transition Really powerful guys. You, you think about just that ability to open gaps and, and uh, complement. You know what's yeah, there's some young offensive line talent that I really like on the Giants, and I think that either one of those guys could come in and uh, continue that identity of having an edge up front and guys that want to get after people and help you know ease the loss of Kevin Zeitler. So you know, I'm thinking Wyatt Davis, Jackson Carmen, Alex Leatherwood, guys that I think can come in and give the the Giants a starter and an upgrade on that interior offensive line from day one. I think that's where the value is going to be for New York. All right, final question, Joe. Final, real rapid fire. Give me two quick predictions. Giants first and second round picks. We'll hold you to it. If you get it wrong, we're going to send you a big punishment in the mail. What do you got? <laughs> All right, I'll say their first round pick is Aziz Ojolari from the New York, uh, excuse me, from the Georgia Bulldogs. Second round, give me Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. All right, two big programs, and the Giants have not been shy about picking players from Georgia. So uh, that certainly makes sense. Joe, awesome to talk to you. Thanks so much. Before we say goodbye, tell the folks about the Draft Network, where they can find your work, uh, how they can get your premium service, all that type of stuff. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. The DraftNetwork.com is the spot. We've got uh, our mock draft simulator. You can go in and, and uh, you can be Dave Gettleman. Make those picks. If you sign up for our premium, you can get offered trades. You can trade up and down the order. You can trade future picks. We've got full trade-by-trade scouting reports on over 400 prospects and uh, tons of content over at thedraftnetwork.com. If you want to keep up with my work, at the Joe Marino on Twitter. Joe, good stuff, my friend. Enjoy the next month. We'll talk to you soon, <laughs> all right, pal? Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. Joe Marino, one of my favorites. He does a great job, guys. Oh, we yeah. Appreciate well, all those guys us. do there. They really are. Draft oh, they, Network is terrific. Absolutely. One of the callers mentioned Kyle Krabs. We'll have him coming up, too, at some point, either on the huddle or on Big Blue Kickoff line, one or the other. So we'll make sure we have that for you here um, on the Giants Podcast Network, presented by Investors Bank. So, guys, we got five minutes to go here. I will open up the phones. If a caller wants to try to get in in the next five minutes, we will get to you at 973-667-1960. And just want to remind Giant fans not to miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. All right, let's have a little fun here, guys. we got five minutes. Paul, if I made you lean, not pick, but lean towards an individual-specific player today for the Giants at 11, where are you leaning? Where am I leaning? 
probably to Slater if you're asking me to be realistic about the guys who are going to be left at 11 because you know I'm all in on Pitts, but that's not going to happen. So I would say realistically from the collection of guys that are going to be there, I'm, I'm probably leaning to Slater. And you would pick Slater over one of those receivers? Yes. Okay. Lance? I would lean towards Patrick Sertan if he's there of all individuals. I think he'd make a lot of sense for the Giants. And if they don't want to go in that direction and Pitts is off the board, Waddle's off the board because of the hesitation of Devontae Smith, I wouldn't be surprised if they pass on him. So therefore, I would probably lean towards Slater or another offensive lineman. I'm leaning towards – here's the problem. The way I'm seeing this now, I don't think Slater or Sertan are going to be there. I think if Slater is there, I think he's certainly an option. I think he'd be a good option. My gut, and this is pure gut right now, not who I would you know necessarily prefer or lean to, but my gut right now still says it's going to be Devontae Smith. I think he is going to get a... I think Joe Judge will get a glowing report from Nick Saban on that guy. Glowing. The guy was a gunner on special teams, for goodness sakes. I think he will get such a good report that they're not going to be able to pass him up. And I under I, I understand, Paul, your worry. I get all that, and it makes sense. I'm not saying you're wrong. That's just what my gut feeling tells me right now. Well, John, what is the, the asterisk that I always say when we, do, when we talk about this? If the Giants have 100% conviction and assertiveness about a guy, and certainly Saban is not going to lie to Joe Judge, then that tells you that, you know, they felt that way about him. And if they do, well, then they did the right thing. Yeah, I'm because you. you have to follow your conviction. Paul, you have to. Watch these Georgia and Alabama guys, man. I mean, last year, first-round pick, Andrew Thomas, Georgia. Second-round pick, Xavier McKinney, Alabama. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the guys that they have the most intel on, and especially they in do. a year where the yeah, information— Kirby smart at Georgia. Absolutely. And, and, you know, Joe Judge was with on his, that staff with him at Alabama. So— you know, those are two connections that the Giants have in a year where you have the least amount of information. And look, it's not like I'm it's not like Joe Judge came from like, you know, Louisiana Lafayette and I'm like, oh, you gotta no, pick Louisiana. No. I mean, these are, you know, literally, you know, two of the three or four biggest programs in the country in terms of churning out NFL talent. So uh, Well, John, I still let me ask you this. There. And I'm by the way, this, and, and by the way, I also ahead. don't think Aziz Ojolari is crazy either. I think he would be in the mix. That's there exactly too. what I was just going to say. By your reasoning that you just threw out there, if Ola, if Olajari um, is taken, you could you could certainly connect dots, couldn't you? I would not. I would not be surprised if he was to pick either. He's one of the guys that would be in the mix because I think he's going to get a great review on Sertan. I just leave it this way, and Jed so probably annoy Giant fans. Depending on who's there, I think Dallas picks either Slater or Sertan. That's I think that's who I think the Cowboys are picking between. And you know how much I love Sertan, so it's hard for me to move off of him. Right. But I think that it goes back to my principles about the trenches. No, absolutely. And, and that's why I would lean to Slater. And I would lean to at once look, you just invested a lot in James Bradbury and Adore Jackson. So and Sertan's an outside cornerback. He ain't a slot guy, okay? So I don't see that. So I don't think the Giants will have a choice between Slater and Sertan. Both guys will never be there, but I'm really convinced Dallas will take one of those two players. Do you take Vera Tucker? I don't think I pick. If I thought he had a better chance of playing tackle, yes. I can't pick a guy with 32-inch arms to play tackle at 11th overall. 
I don't. Well, but I, don't I feel think like a lot of folks that. want him to be a guard. So, would you would you consider picking him at eleven to play guard? Um, I would not pick him over Sertan. I would not pick him over no, but Slater. If Sertan is, I would, or Slater are gone. I would not pick him over Devontae Smith. Okay. Fair I would enough. him and I would put him and Ojolari probably on the same tier. And I'm going to tell you, I just hope Slater is there instead. <laughs> that's what I would do. I think that I think I, that's where my tier cutoff is. Right? I think I would have Ojolari and I think I'd have Vera Tucker on that tier, right below that group of top guys that we've been talking about, Lance. I think that's how I kind of break it down. Well, with Slater, I think the important question is where do you envision playing him? He pretty much has been a tackle, but there's been a lot of people saying maybe they envision him as a guard at the next level. Well, that's why I love him, Lance. I'm happy with him in mm -hmm, either spot. I'm good mm -hmm. with him in either spot. No, and I love the versatility, but once again, I think you need to ask yourself, do you draft an interior offensive lineman with the 11th overall pick? Are you getting the max amount of value with that selection if he winds up playing guard as opposed to tackle? I think yeah. you at least need to ask yourself. That's true. Listen, I he I'm might... fine having a guy on the roster that you can move in and out, and then maybe, you know what, a year from now, Nate Solder, he's no longer on the books. He becomes your outside tackle. That's fine. I, I just I wonder if some of these executives say to yourself, 11th overall pick, guy that's going to play on the interior. Are we maxing value? True. I think but what if he starts at guard, though, and then in year two or three sure. shifts after tackle? And I think that's why you like the flexibility. You know, you have so many of these young guys, right? And this is kind of the point I've made. And, and I, sorry, guys, I know somebody's on the line. We're not going to get to you before we say goodbye here. But to me, you have so many young guys that are competing for starting offensive line spots this year, from Shane Lemieux to Will Hernandez to Matt Parrott. Odds are, just going by history, not all of those guys are going to hit. All right? They're not all going to be great and great starters. It's just the way it goes in the NFL. Odds are they're not all going to hit. And if you draft a guy like Slater, then you can plug and play him wherever you need him most. And I have confidence that he's going to be a really good tackle. I have confidence that he's going to be a really good guard. Mm -hmm. And you play him in year one wherever you need him. And then once he's in the building, if you think he's going to be an all-pro uh, tackle one day, well, then you make sure you get him out to tackle at some point. But that's why I have him on that tier above Vera Tucker, Paul, because I have the utmost confidence so I can I. use him in both spots. And while I like Vera Tucker's tape at tackle, I watched him at tackle. I thought he did a good job. I cannot. I'm sorry. I, I know I don't like putting all that into measurements. 32-inch arms at tackle. I, I'm sorry. I'm just not there. John, I can't I'm do with it. you. Slater is, is definitely had a Vera Tucker on my sheet. And here's the other thing, too. I've even seen some folks who believe that Slater could even play center if you asked I've, him to. I've read that, too. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, there's definitely more value in him. All right, guys, so next week, just an FYI, I re-looked at the calendar. So we will not have a show next Friday because Good Friday. The office is closed, so we will give everybody our last day off before the draft. Everybody can kind of restock their, their batteries, get everything in order before we get on the home stretch here. But we're going to have our daily shows Monday through Thursday. And next week, guys, is like super pro day time. So we're going to be grinding out pro day guests next week, the week after that, and I think the week after that for the next three weeks because we have a lot of big schools coming to Michigan, BYU today, LSU comes up. You have the second Alabama pro day. Uh, just a ton of really big schools are going to have their pro day. So we'll cover all that for you next week on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Again, I mentioned the Giants huddle. I did a 45-minute spot with Art Stapleton from the record. That'll be posting up on the website right after the show is over. That's going to be the first thing I do. Make sure you go check that out as well. And we'll have some more fun guests on the Giants Huddle podcast coming up next week as well. For Lance Meadow, for Paul Dottino, I am John Schmelk. Thank you for being with us. 
on Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. We'll see you next time, everybody. Have a great weekend.